0: The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today.
1: We've been doing radio for over 20 years, Holly, and I've been racking my brain as to whether or not we have had an opportunity to talk with our guest for this week.
0: Yeah, I think the answer is no.
1: I've been carefully avoiding you.
0: Yeah, you know what? And that's probably wise. <laughs>
1: no. We've had a chance to talk with Martin Smith or or Tim Hughes. They've obviously told you about us. Uh, Matt Redman, my friend, how are you?
2: Very good. Yeah, they mention you daily. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Um, I am very good. Thanks. And it's lovely to be hanging with you guys.
1: I want to make this statement, and I don't want you to feel obligated to say yes. But do you feel as though when it comes to worship and music, you're a trailblazer?
2: That's a very good question. I mean, not really. I mean, there's a lot of people doing their thing and could really offer the people I've been inspired by. He already said two of them in this conversation already. <laughs> so no, no, not, I'm not really. That's not really even my personality. I'm, I'm a kind of reserved Englishman with a monotone voice, you know, and not, I don't really think of myself like that.
1: When did you realize, or when uh, was there a realization that you had this talent for music and this talent for writing? I
2: think what happens is other people let you know that. So you're just being normal, doing your thing, and then other people. And you know, sometimes I give songwriting seminars, and I say, um, you know, if you feel a calling to this, it, it can't just be you or or your mum. You know, right. it can't just be you you or your mum saying that you are God's given you an amazing. <laughs> gift. It has to go a bit wider than that. Uh, for me, there was other people in my life kind of affirming the gift mm-hmm. and trying to help me fan it into flame. And I go into songwriting because I had to really. I wasn't writing for churches or albums. I just needed to talk to God. I was had, had some rough um, years back then. And, you know, I was just doing what the psalmist did, I guess. I was just saying, oh, for me, music's a really helpful way of talking to God and processing this Moment of bringing him praise and pain and everything in between. And so I kind of got into the songwriting thing in a very organic way. And then I guess other people started to f- help me fan into flame the gift.
0: Well, let's rewind. Let's, uh, we'd like to ask this question. Johnny calls it a skill testing question.
2: Because oh, yeah. he's
0: right. We never know where it's going to go. So who are you and where did you come from?
2: I came from, oh, I'll do it the other way around. I'm Matt Redmond. Um, and I am a husband, uh, of Beth and I have five kids, Maisie, Noah, Rocco, Jackson, Levi. We're currently living in California, but we are English kind of through and through. I think we figured that out more than ever when the queen died a little bit ago, we were like, we feel so English. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, I came from a place called Watford, which is uh, a town in England, a bit north of London, that most people wouldn't have heard of. Some people were because they have a, a soccer team, a football team, we would call it. But also from that one town, Elton John, George Michael, and Ginger Spice. So,
0: <laughs> so being uh, you know British was the goal. Soccer or football? Yeah, so
2: we, so we call it football.
0: Yeah. But you,
2: but she you.
1: apologizes already, Matt. I know. She, I'm I so
0: boo- sorry. <laughs> I
2: got booed. I got booed once at an event in England because I've been in America a long time. Yeah. And on stage, just before I led, they were interviewing me. And I said the word soccer instead of football. Oh. And I got booed by my own people, by oh. by English people, because I used the word soccer.
0: Oh, yeah. no. I'll just see myself out. Thanks.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It's cool, good. again.
0: So at what point did you decide to move? to uh, wow. California with your music and just let's talk about the journey because you don't just become Matt Redman overnight. There's a, there's a bit of a path there.
1: Nine months at least. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just doing my thing. We was like local church people. We've been involved in a couple of church plants. At one point, my wife and I decided to have a little review and figure out what we we're going to do next. That was in 2001. So we moved to California uh, for kind of like six months to try and have a little review and where we're going next, what we're going to be part of. Actually, we moved a few days after 9-11. We were were meant to be flying September the 12th. Obviously, we had the house packed up September the 11th. We turned on the TV. We realized, oh, we're not going to be flying tomorrow. And But we were on one of the first flights out of the UK uh, after that. And we got to LA and we hung out in um, Orange County, and it was oh. a fascinating time, honestly, traveling around churches because we we're on sabbatical, just trying to learn wherever we, were, wherever we went. And it's one of the things that triggered our song, Blessed Be Your Name, because the speakers and the preachers had so much to say in that moment, but it felt like we're the songs. that We don't oh. seem to have a much of a vocabulary for a moment like this. We're just singing what we always sing and doesn't feel quite right, and particularly not so because in the Bible, the Psalms, they give us – So it's not only a relevant thing to sing a song like this right now, it would be a biblical thing because the Psalms are so lament based, right? And Mm -hmm. about 70% of the content of them, they say, is lament based. So we wrote that, we went back to England, helped plant another church, moved to Atlanta, helped plant another church, moved back to England, part of a new church plant. And then this time we moved out. We thought we were coming on sabbatical again, but we actually landed in California and have stayed here.
1: <laughs> we had mentioned a, a couple of the other names, and and Martin Smith or Tim Hughes, but what was it about and, and you and and the rest of uh, those from the UK, the the musical influence in North America? Why do you think that it was so people were so hungry for what you guys were doing there over here?
2: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because we were taking a lot of our cues from America. Hmm. I mean, we grew up on. Marathoner and Vineyard music, and, and you know, I—I I mean, I every Vineyard album, I was all over it. I was leading the songs. I was, you know, and then even on a wider kind of cultural reference side, we were listening to a lot of American music. People that say that's probably why I speak with an English accent and sing with an, you know, a not so English accent. Sure, <laughs> it's probably because <laughs> just listen to so much American music. I guess God was doing a new thing through this little youth movement there and some songs that were coming up. We had um, a need to write these songs because we had this this kind of couple of youth movements that happened in the UK, and we needed um, some fresh language and fresh way to sing. So the songs, I think, were born out of that. And I guess somehow it it, uh, resonated with people in America. We actually did an event at Wembley Stadium. Hmm. A big soccer stadium in uh, England.
0: Thank you for chatting.
2: Uh, that's, that's my pleasure. <laughs> um, Martin Smith was part of that. Actually, with his band delirious and I was part of that and some American leaders and label people as well had come over and that's kind of how we started uh, connecting to the USA a bit more.
1: It's interesting because I, I was telling a couple of friends, I'm like, yeah, I have a chance to talk with uh, Matt this week. And I said, if you had a, a favorite Matt Redman song, what would it be? And I got four different answers. And Blessed Be Your Name and 10,000 Reasons, Better Is One Day and The Heart of Worship. Do you think about the impact that your songs will have on people who are listening to it? I mean,
2: at the time, you're just doing your thing, trying to talk to God. You are thinking, like, I, I want to write this in a way that's specific enough so I can put my heart into it, but not... Mm. So specific that other people can't put their own stories, attach their own stories to the song. So you've got that, but you're not really thinking about world domination. You know, <laughs> and,
0: what do you mean? I was uh, yeah.
2: that. <laughs> and that, the funny thing is, um, if I, even if I was, I would have got it wrong every single time. Heart of worship, I wasn't even going to ever lead in a church service. I thought it was my own little personal song. Um, 10,000 reasons I was a hundred percent not going to put that on the album. I didn't mm. think it was finished, didn't have a pre-chorus or a bridge. And it happened so quickly, I think it can't be finished. And it was someone else who said, hey, I don't care what song we're dropping, but that one's going on the record. And wow. so even if that was the plan, I don't think I'm going to be very good at it. But what I do love the way these songs connect with people. And going far and wide is one thing, but going deep is a whole another thing. And And when a song goes deep into someone's life, you know, maybe – becomes their soundtrack in one of the most intense moments of their life. That that stuff gets really precious and really just beautiful. Um, Some of the stories, honestly, heart-wrenching, but just beautiful. I've met some of the most amazing worshippers through these songs, just people who found their way to the place of praise, even in the deepest moment of pain.
0: Is it humbling to know that God is giving you songs that are reaching people in their valleys?
2: Yeah. I mean, 100% for sure. It's still a mystery to me how a song can do that. It doesn't make any logical sense, does it? Some words and some music. And yeah. And I remember with 10,000 Reasons, I mean, that song's had the most stories for sure. But um, we won a c- couple of Grammys for that. And so uh, on the stage in LA, receiving those next day, uh, next morning, I opened up my email and pretty much the first email I read was from a lady who said, Hey, um, your song, 10,000 reasons. My uncle just went to be with the Lord. He had terminal Mm -hmm. cancer. And as he was um, taking his final few breaths, we were singing that song over him. There was about 30 of us crammed in the hospital room and, and we sung over him and it became his soundtrack of going to heaven. And it was, it was just a really poignant story, but also the timing was very good for me thinking, okay, last night, on that LA stage, that was, that was great. And it was fun. And I'm sure that's part of God's entrustment for me, but that's not what the songs are for. That's not why you write them. Here's what this is about. And and this in my heart and soul mind, this outweighs that this is just profound. And there's so many things. I love the immeasurable things. You know, when God does stuff, that's immeasurable, you can't put your hands on that. You can't, you know, There's a lot of things I do. You can put them on a chart or you can put them on a spreadsheet. You can say this many people came or this many people streamed this or bought this, but I love the immeasurable. I love the stuff you think like that story. You couldn't, There's no chart for that. And it's just off. It's off the charts, literally. And we've had a lot of them um, through that song. Uh, another time, these prisoners on death row in Bali who had been um, found guilty of drug trafficking, trafficking offenses. Since then, they've become Christians and really full-on worshipers of Jesus, but they, they still had to face their consequence. And, and as they were uh, facing the firing squad, they were seeing 10,000 reasons. Okay. And again, it's, it's, a, it's like an immeasurable story. It feels humbling. It feels like, okay, I don't know how I could even call myself a worship leader when someone's looking down the barrel of a gun singing praise to God. I mean, that's really a worship leader. Someone set an example with who they are um, of worship. So yeah, it it never fails to amaze, inspire, humble, for sure. Never take that for granted.
1: I, I just thought of this in in the sense that, I mean, the songs that you write are, are sung in thousands of churches, but they're also different ways of doing the song. You know, they, somebody might add something here or do something there. H- have you ever been somewhere where they're playing your song? And you're like, actually, whoa, I actually like the way that, Somebody yeah. did that. That's name is not Matt Redman.
2: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Lots of times. Yeah. Uh, I had a funny old, like fast folk song. It was called undignified. And um, David Crowder took it from being this thing. He wanted to take into a barn and shoot or something to, to, to be like, okay, this thing has done its time. And it was never, that, yeah. you know, yeah. and he kind of put the Crowder touch on it and made it into, you know, a really fantastic celebration song. So it's been a... And then, honestly, one of the biggest things is going to different cultures. There's a, you know, kind of India or something or somewhere that's a little bit different and express worship a bit different. And you hear one of the songs there. That's, that can be so inspiring. But yeah, I, I for sure, for sure.
0: You talk about the Psalms and how a lot of them are lamenting and your songs are coming from your own heart and your own life experiences. Can you share a little bit about your your writing process and just how some of these songs have come to be just overall.
2: Yeah. I think the big shift for me is when I started approaching songwriting like 24 seven. So uh, in the old days it would be like, I'm only a songwriter when I open up my guitar case, get my guitar out, sit down. And then I thought that's actually kind of limiting, but also it's putting a big pressure on myself to come up with something in that moment. Mm. So really how I approach it these days more is like, I'm going to have my antenna out the whole time. And in a conversation, a little phrase comes up. I think, oh, it could be a song in that. Or of, you're sitting in a sermon, or you're reading a book, or you're reading the news, or standing under a starry night sky. All those moments, I and mean, more than anything, obviously scripture. All of those things are just moments where the seed of a song can can take root. And um, so, I probably don't go through a day without writing down some kind of idea. Uh, sometimes melodically, but more lyrically than more than anything for me. Mm. And, and then sometimes those things just grow in your heart a little bit. Maybe you'll do a Bible study around it, or maybe you'll sit down with a co-writer and, you know, it triggers something in them too. And, um, so this kind of the story of them is always a little seed that gets planted in your heart and, you know, and, and, and you see what happens from there
1: holly kind of stole exactly that question that i was that i was going to ask when it when it comes to music and i I mean you have a a new album which is coming out is it things that you're going through or is it oh i think that the church needs to hear this or i I mean there's so many different facets that you have and when it comes to writing an album
2: it's a little bit of both because i can't just be oh whatever comes to me you know michael stipe from rem he uh he described his songwriting process as vomiting out whatever comes to me like a cat with a hairball, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, That's a fun there, picture. And hmm. there, yeah. <laughs> There's something to be said for that kind of explosive, you know, this is what's in my heart. But I think it has to be more than that as well. It has to be partly because you're, you're putting words into people's mouths about God. And so it can't just be oh what i feel like and it can't also just be oh here's the subject i was thinking about today it has to be if you're going to take on this responsibility it has to be a bit wider than that so it might be that you're just making sure that with all all the other stuff pouring out of you you're 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 trying to cover some of the main and plain um themes of our faith um and then you're also looking out for the ones which are missing so one which is um Missing a bit these days is the return of Christ. Hmm. Like if you think about how often that gets mentioned in the New Testament and how much it affects our alertness, our prayer life, our evangelism, um, so uh, our our holy lifestyle, you know, then it's something we need to have in the mix. But um, it's not something that has um, showed up too much. So that's something I'm thinking about right now. There's been other times where uh, people have criticized Worship for not being very Trinitarian in nature in terms of the language we're using. Yeah. And I think that's something that songwriters have paid attention to, and that's in there a bit more now. Uh, I think 15 years ago, the resurrection wasn't getting enough of a look in. We'd sing about the cross and always stop there. Yeah, And and so some theologians and preachers and pastors challenged a few people around that, and you see that showing up more now. So, yeah, I think there's a, a weird thing where, you want these songs to be explosive and passionate. And, um, you know, Bono from U2 says that, uh, you can have a thousand ideas with songwriting, but without emotion, it's just an essay. So I don't want to mm. be just writing cerebral essays. I want these to be heart explosions, but I also want them to be guided by truth and written on purpose. And, you know, I can't just be the Beatles going, Oh, I am the walrus. Cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. That's not going to honour God. And it's not going to help anyone.
0: Yeah, I have to take sure. it a bit
2: more seriously in that.
0: Um, uh, you've got, of course, the new album coming out. How much did the pandemic and some of those themes of loneliness and loss play into the new album?
2: That's a great question. I I think there's one song on the album which resonates with some of that. It's called "Son of Suffering," and was just a thought that. Uh let's dig a little bit into this thing of Jesus's empathy for us and and his uh, how he identifies with us in our pain and sorrow and how he's you know he's he gets right down in the dirt with us. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing thought really to think we worship a god who weeps and and even bled you know and, and f- in fact originally this song I was trying to write a song with blood sweat and tears in it um and I was thinking about Jesus turning over the tables in the temple. <laughs> And, um, I think that was the sweat element, the blood and the, the tears, a bit more obvious. And I was walking to the room to write this song with a few guys. And I realized if I drop the sweat bit, this thing's going to get a lot easier. <laughs> so, so we, we, uh, dropped this perspiration element to the song and, um, just went the blood and tears. But I thought actually this now becomes a, a song about God's solidarity with us in our, in our pain and our suffering and our struggle. And it and is a phenomenal thing to think about that one who is so high and holy and completely out of reach in every way not only came down, but got down in the dirt with us and wept over us and even bled for us. And it's just so I hope that comes across in the song. But I think that that song probably would, would have resonated a bit um, coming out of lockdown because of those reasons, maybe. Mm
1: we've had a chance to talk with uh, actors and so you listen to or you watch the trailers of the movies so before we were uh, to sit down and talk I was like okay well let's hear some of the news from Matt and, and so I sat down and I was listening. I feel like something hits different when you get an acoustic song rather than a big production. Oh yeah. Do you, do you see it that way as well when it came to recording this that you felt like you wanted to have it a little more intimate?
2: I love both but but there's something about the breathability of a acoustic moment. I think it gives a lot more space for people's voices in a crowd Mm. or on it too. And, you know, I love leading with worship with big band and, you know, great sound and that, but there's something awesome too. Sometimes just getting up with a guitar and a piano, some of my favorite moments are that no click, no tracks, no plan, you know, let's just, Let's just talk to God through our music. Let's have a conversation with him through our songs. And, and so, yeah, we have a few moments um, for sure. So, so the new record um, is called Lamb of God, and we recorded at a place called The Mission in San Juan Capistrano here in Southern California. And just the most stunning, like, setting, these old ruins and chapel and beautiful courtyard, and, and um, it's actually the basically the birthplace of what we now call Orange County. Um, goes back to 1776 and just the, the little chapel there, um, on site is the oldest working building in the whole of California. Um, so it's, it was just absolute delight to get to record there. And, and we did some of the songs a bit bigger with band. And then we did a few in the courtyard with just a few singers and a couple of musicians. And, um, yeah, I definitely love both.
0: Growing up, there was a bit of a divide between those who were Catholics and those who were Protestants. Uh, Was it a unique experience being in a place where it was more Catholic-based compared to uh, Protestant, Christian, Evangel? I don't know. I'm not politically correct in this one, but you know what I'm saying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get canceled, Holly. I know,
0: right? This was the day.
1: (laughs) But
2: it's a funny thing because a lot of that stuff just starts to fade into the background, you know, in these Mm. moments. Worship seems to be such a unifying thing. You know, I think it's because we're all looking in one direction together, yeah. And we kind of taking our eyes off ourselves a little bit and off the things that might be things we don't quite agree on or some of the differences we have, and we're just looking at something bigger and um, something so compelling that it it's overriding all of that stuff. And I think that's honestly a, a dynamic that happens in worship. And some of the most beautiful worship moments I've been in have been moments of unity. We had a thing at Trafalgar Square in London a few years ago. And it was the Archbishop of Canterbury on stage with us and uh, the head of the Baptist Church in the UK the head of the Methodist Church in the UK the head of the Catholic Church in the UK the head of the Pentecostal Church um, the Greek Orthodox and they're all linking hands and on their knees praying for the nation together and again it's like cool we this is awesome we've taken our eyes off ourselves mm-hmm. we're thinking about other people thinking about prayer and mission and worship and suddenly we've we found ourselves on the same page and not saying there's things that don't um divide us, but I guess the point is there's no reason to not be family. Yeah. And and so I actually loved, yeah, getting to record in this um in this uh place which was a Catholic setting and it, and they were super generous to let us do that, considering <laughs> that, you know, uh, we weren't ourselves Catholics.
0: This is the Why Me Project podcast and We've talked about how your songs have been there for people in their valleys. Have you had a why me moment where you were just wondering, God, why me? Or maybe it was from a mountaintop and you felt just honored that God chose you.
2: Yeah. Um, it's funny because I'm a little older now, but I always go back to my teenage years because they was some of the most turbulent. But the reason I re- revisit them in a, when you ask me a question like that is it's not really because they were turbulent, but because I just saw God's faithfulness at play. In such a huge way, and and a way that stays with me to this day, and and kind of set me up to be able to live to the full. And and so I lost my dad when I was seven. He he actually took his own life. I didn't know that at the time. So the first shock was finding out I didn't have a dad anymore. One day when I got home from school, and then a few years later, found out the whole reasoning that he actually um, committed suicide. And that was like a second blow, but also had a lot of questions, you know, was there anything to do with me? Did he not love us enough? You know, all those kind of things. Yeah. Uh, I don't really understand the nature of depression at that age. I just had a lot of questions. Um, my mum remarried. Uh, that didn't go good at all. And in fact, the guy was abusive to our, uh family, end up in jail. And it was, uh, again, like a crazily shaky moment in my life but what's interesting was that i knew enough about god already to believe that he was good and to believe that um somehow in the mix i don't believe god's given up on me and and in fact uh he became my safe place you know the people talk about the throne room of god as a place of reverence actually it's a place of ref- refuge too because mm. it's what the one unshakable place you know, your life can be falling apart or the economy can be failing or COVID can be, you know, finding its way all over the world or whatever it is, whatever the pandemic or pain or obstacle is. Um, When everything else in your life seems to be breaking and shaking apart, there's one place you can go that is completely stable and everything's the same and that's the throne room of God. And I think it's what happened for me writing these worship songs. They just took me to... Place of safety, a place of stability. Um, so I'd love to play the songs from church at home, and then I started writing songs, and it um, it was just uh, such a reassuring thing to do. Singing about the sovereignty of God when you don't have a clue what the heck's going on in your life is a very yeah. helpful thing. You know, singing about the father heart of God when your father's done that is a super healing thing. You know, singing about um, the faithfulness of God, singing about the wisdom of God, the kindness of God, you know, all all those things, they're so stabilizing. And I just feel so grateful that God had me on that path. Um, you know, I saw other people who had been through similar things who went down the path of bitterness and awayness from God. And somehow by the grace of God, I just knew enough about him at that moment to trust him. And there's a great verse, um, in, uh, it's when Joseph calls his son Ephraim in the Old Testament because Ephraim means God made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Uh, I think it's pretty much my life verse. You know, I, I love doing what I do these days. I get to see the church in different parts of the world. I get to meet amazing people with great stories. I get to sing and make music and do all this, you know, fun stuff. But the, the, the seed of it all is way back in that moment you know, like the, it grew out of the soil of suffering. I don't think I would ever would have gotten to music or songwriting or anything close to that without some of the stuff I'd gone through. And um, it was like, God made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. I don't think I would have volunteered for it. There's a lot of it. I still don't understand. I'm not definitely not tying a bow on everything and silver lining on everything. And, but I can see that somehow, you know, um, it's like another place in scripture says he's, he will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And it's the same thing. Like, I feel like, yeah, um, I lost a lot. But God's given me so much more in, in the long run.
1: New album is set to release on Friday, Lamb of God. He had the option of being a striker or a worship leader, and he went with worship leader. <laughs> Matt Redmond, my friend, thank you so much for taking some time.
2: Thank you. And I just want to make cl- clear, I never said I could be a striker. My, <laughs> anyone who knows me, who hears that, or any of my kids or my brothers, they will hound they will me if they think for one moment I thought I could do that.
1: <laughs> Amazing.
2: It's been a joy to talk with you guys.
1: I think of us doing morning shows together and hearing phone mm-hmm. calls of people calling in yeah. and some of the stuff that they've gone through. And we just hear little bits of it. I can only imagine the impact that Matt would have in the stories that he would have for the songs over his career and how they've helped people.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's um, an incredible role that he plays for so many people just in their own journey, in their own faith. No. being able to write a song that is with people in the mountaintops of their lives, in the valleys, in the in-betweens, what an, an awesome responsibility and weight to carry.
1: And the other thing is, is that when I read a Bible verse, when you read a Bible verse, we we see them very differently. We take yeah. something different from it. It's the same things with songs yeah. And and how we hear the song and what we take away from the song and... Yeah, it's just, it, it was an incredible time. A really great conversation. I wish we had another couple hours with Matt.
0: Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, just have to fly to California and just knock on his door and just say, hey,
1: yeah. came, 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 came going to be fam. totally for that. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Right? Uh, don't forget, you can check out uh, at Matt Redman Music on the Insta. Speaking of Instagram and all the socials, love for you to download and subscribe and follow us on all the socials when it comes to the Why Me Project.
0: Yes, and also check out our YouTube channel as we are trying to figure out this trying. YouTube land. Yeah, We're radio people for a reason.
1: Yeah, apparently now the Tick-a-Talk is or something. So Holly's going to start a TikTok, and I'm going to I'm I'm gearing up MySpace 2.0. It's coming. There
0: out. you go. Bringing <laughs> some ICQ there, and we are good to go.
1: <laughs> Whether it's uh, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, download Apple Podcast or Spotify. Check us out at FaithStrongToday.com.